Welcome to this episode of All the Best Craft Banter. With the Alberta election upon us, we are chatting today about how you tell your story. How do you engage with candidates and hopefully start to build your advocate for whoever may end up representing you and your brewery? That's all coming up. Stay tuned. Hi, everyone. I am Blair Verdusco, the Executive Director of the Alberta Small Brewers Association. And this webinar is looking at engaging in the election. As you know, we're facing an election about to be called here or already have been has been called, depending on when you're watching this, uh, with election date of May 29th. So we're going to go through a few things um, about how and why you should engage with the election, with the candidates in your writing and the policy points that both us and the Craft Distillers Association are most focused on this time around. So Alberta's small beer manufacturers and craft distillers uh, have a vested interest in this election on May 29th, 2023. From policy changes, including markup equalization, access to connect for non-beer products, and ensuring an equal playing field with national and international brands, Alberta beer has important policy issues. This webinar is intended to help you as a small business, a value-add producer, an engine of economic impact, and as an, Albertan, as an Albertan to engage with the election. So here are just a few points that we're gonna touch on. You'll get these in more detail as we go through the slides. So engaging in the provincial election is a grassroots effort you can make to affect change. And with me today to help me guide through this whole process are Brad Goddard and Stavros Carlos, so we'll start with Brad with an introduction. Hi, I'm Brad Goddard. I am the I'm a board member of ASPA. I'm the chair of our policy committee. And my day job, I work uh, at Big Rock Brewing. Thank you, Brad. Stavros. My name is Stavros Carlos. I'm the executive director of the Alberta Craft Distillers Association and also a founder at Park Distillery and have been involved in the association since its inception back in uh, 2007. So as you can see, we've got a good panel today. So hopefully you get a lot from this webinar. So we'll jump right in. So the biggest thing that you can do as a brewery with a location, physical space, is connect with the candidates in your riding. So what we're asking you to do is invite all of the candidates, regardless of their party affiliation. We obviously have a couple of parties that are making bigger waves and more likely to end up being one of your MLAs. but if you do have another party that has a candidate in your riding, it's worth the time to connect with them as well. Even if they aren't your elected, they could still be an influential person in your riding, and it's worth having that relationship. So what we want you to do is tell them about your story. Tell them about why you started your business. Tell them about how it's been going for you. We all know the last few years were difficult, had a lot of challenges. Explain how maybe you haven't fully recovered from that or you're still working on your recovery or just how it affected your bottom line, different from what it was before. Explain how you were regulated. A lot of these people might not be aware about how heavily regulated our industries are. So explain that, explain what you're operating under um, and some of the changes that have gone on. Some of the changes good, some of the changes bad. Explain how those have affected your business and what you need going forward. Why? Because one of these candidates will represent your business. One of them will be your MLA. So their lack of knowledge should not be why you don't see change. Build your advocate. Arm them with the information now so that when they're your, 
when they they are your MLA, they're already they're already ready to engage with you. So before the meeting, what we would like you to do is educate yourself. We will be providing you with a one pager. It will also be available on the Alberta.beer website. So take that, read the information, and really educate yourself on those key messages that you can use in your conversation. Read the party platforms. Those will be your best place to get to understand exactly what the party is looking forward to and ensuring that the candidate is along those same lines and making sure that their key messages are the same as the party overall. Also read the candidate profile. Find something that might be a point of common interest for them. Maybe they were a small business owner or have someone in their family that owns a small business. Find a point of relation. See if they have an agricultural background and explain the field's glass story. Do their social media focus on small local businesses? If so, that's a great way to connect and put your, for your story forward. Be prepared. Let your staff know why you're doing this. If your staff understands why you're inviting the candidates, then it might they might also be an advocate for you. They might also help with your consumer base if for some reason you do face some negative consumer comments along the way. Remind everyone that this is for the benefit of your business. It is not necessarily a showcase of who you're supporting personally. So empower your, your employees to think about the election in a different way. And prepare some good insights specific to how policy changes helped or hurt your business. Data and stories are excellent points for them to take away. During the meeting, again, tell your story. Explain your business. All of the good, all of the bad. Explain why you started your business. Explain how you have a relationship with the community that you're located in. Explain how you have a relationship with other businesses in your area and how you support other local businesses along the way. And why did you decide to open your business? What drew you to this industry overall? How do you contribute to Alberta's economy? The agricultural inputs that you purchase from our, our local producers, the packaging, the graphic designers. Explain how you affect all of these other areas. And then have an ask. And this you can take directly from the ASBO one pager or anything that we've shared with you along the way. So focus on one or two policy issues, be really well informed and have that ask. Um, something there may be also something specific to your jurisdiction so if there's something you're facing with your municipality or a local government you can include that just be sure you have a way to tie that back to the provincial abilities after the meeting so after the meeting eventually like we said one of these people will be your mla so follow up with them provide them the one pager either as a takeaway or via email digital copy is fine as well there will be a spot on the asbo website where you can get the, this information and more detailed information. Um, ASBA members can look out for the template emails in the May 1st weekly email that goes out. So if you're comfortable, you can also use your social media to express very simple messages. You don't have to take a stance. You don't have to promote your support or lack thereof. Just promote what your key messages are and what those policy points that you would like to see them address are. You can also attend candidate events. This keeps you and your business top of mind, and it lets candidates know that you're engaged and paying attention to what they're saying. Hold them to account. If they're elected, follow up with congratulations and reminders of key issues. After the election, when you know who your MLA is, a great way to start this relationship, this kind of new relationship, is to send an email to their constituency office and to them personally. We'll have an example of their email format and what that usually follows, 
uh, in weekly emails and on the website. And you can send it in the first week of June. And that email will be, will be waiting for them in their inbox once they finally log in. So some of the policy points that we'd like to encourage you to stick to or uh, follow up on are market change. We know that this is one of the biggest issues that we've been working on for a while now. Uh, obviously, a lot of changes in government happened since we really started ramping up our strategies here, but this is still top of mind. So obviously, many manufacturers would benefit. A lot of you are branching out or growing your business. So we want this change to bring it in line, provides you more funds to invest, create jobs, donate, and it also would provide equal access to connect, ensuring the cost to use the only approved logistics provider in the province is fair and equal. So the other thing would be the municipal issues. So we're focused very heavily on wastewater charges. We know a lot of our breweries are facing fines in the thousands on this. So while we continue to work on solutions, we also want the government to recognize that this is becoming a big burden to these to all small businesses, as well as consistency with the building code. We've heard from many new breweries, especially, but also growing breweries, that inconsistency in its application, its understanding have caused a lot of delays that have, you know, amounted to tens of thousands of dollars in extra cost. So some of the follow-up materials that we'll be providing with you are those email templates to candidates, as well as the one pager and the alberta.beer election page. That'll be a place that you can refer to or you can refer the candidates to, to get more information. And I'll show you the one pager in a couple of minutes here. So engaging with candidates provides you with an opportunity to be your own advocate. ASBA will be on the ground, meeting with candidates and party leaders throughout May to support you and your efforts. The more we communicate our goals and message, the more effective we will be when it comes time for government to make decisions. And some of the resources that you can look at right now include the Dave Berta website. It's a great resource to find out who the candidates are, and we will have a full um, Excel spreadsheet available for you with the emails for candidates in each writing. Uh, for ASBA members, that will go out in the Monday, May 1st email. Elections Alberta, a great reminder as to what the requirements are to register for voting voting day, early voting, and more. Um, and then here we have two of the main parties that are in the election. On the alberta.beer website, we'll have more. All right, so that is it from the presentation. And I'll just show you guys the one pager before I open up the um, discussion with Brad and Stavros. So this is it. It'll be a pretty simple format easy to read, and it will have a second page to it that describes those policy points in greater detail so that you can educate yourself. Uh, but again, that will be available uh, very shortly here for uh, ASBA members and for the craft distillers, uh, we'll be sharing this information with Stavros, so that'll go out as well. All right, so I'd like to invite Brad and Stavros into the conversation here. Um, Brad, maybe you'd like to start. Great presentation, Blair. And, you know, I think, the biggest concern probably our members will have, and I like the way you articulated it, is, is separating uh, your politics, your personal politics from, from this process. And I'm not saying totally abdicate what your beliefs are, but uh, whoever is elected to represent you it, it, it has to do their job and, and in your best interest. And, and, and so your suggestion to find common ground look at the candidate's background and find out if you share common grounds 
understand that all of the candidates in the election are running because they want to make positive change in their communities. You know, regardless of what that party politics may be, at the end of the day, these are people who who are uh, trying to be elected so that they can make change. And little change like the stuff that we've asked here is a great place for all of these uh, elected officials to to get an early start. And that is our hope is, is, you know, create this engagement when they hit the ground running. Every government always wants to make easy wins quick to show that they're turning the page. And we've got some very, very, I believe, very easy wins. Um, but but try to find that common ground. Talk to uh, the candidates as if they're either somebody you're trying to convince, a macro beer drinker that you're trying to convince the how craft is different, or an old friend, or, or a licensee. Like you've had these conversations, maybe even your banker. It'll feel it. I think some folks will feel it's a little unusual to be talking to elected officials. It's not something that a lot of people do in their day-to-day lives, but these are just regular people and finding that common ground and approaching them as you would any other customer or any other person who walks in off the street into your tap room. That's the best place to start is these are just regular people, uh, but they're regular people that can make a difference for your business down the road. Yeah, That's a great point. Regardless of which party it is, uh, a lot of them have new candidates. So these are people who are coming from business backgrounds, from working a regular nine to five, maybe they're not that different from you, really. They haven't had a big political career. So definitely go into it with just a community mindset and uh, trying to convince someone to come to craft. I like that. Mm, Stavros, would you like to add anything? Yeah, so absolutely. And I think Brad and obviously yourself, Blair, thank you for a fantastic presentation. The most important thing is this emotional tie to the distillery and, and we're kind of talking around it as well one of the biggest reasons that i've seen in the past of bringing in political figures into your operation whether that's a distillery brewery meadery winery is to create that sense of, of of attachment to these places within our province and it's more about telling your story to that politician rather than focusing on well we need x y and z for sure the x y and z is absolutely important but your role in getting MLAs into your facility is to show them what you do, what your challenges are, what your successes are, and to promote that you are an integral part of Alberta's economy. I think that's a really critical piece that people haven't, or a lot of MLAs may not be aware of. And certainly in the past few months, speaking to MLAs, there is a boatload of MLAs that don't know that they have multiple breweries, multiple distilleries within their constituencies. And so a lot of this is about relationship building, less about politics. And of course the politics is important, but you need that relationship first for them to understand that real people are actually impacted by these policies. Real change can only come from government. And so that interrelationship needs to be clear and connected. Um, so tell your story, how you started, why it's hard, why it's easy, and just create that emotional attachment is, is so critical. So I think we, hopefully we have instilled that in you, the importance of this grassroots advocacy effort, because that's really what this is. And honestly, I think a lot of times, at least in my experience, elected officials like to hear directly from the business. An association is fantastic. And like I said, both us and I know the craft distillers, they'll be on the ground, they'll be at events, they'll be talking to these elected officials, but it hits differently when it comes directly from a business. So 
please don't ever think that this is just like an added extra little thing that you might be doing. It's an impactful thing that you will be doing. And we're happy to support you along the way. If you have questions, if you want to get into it a bit more, if you need a little bit of help in the prep or at the actual conversation, definitely reach out. Let us know. We can we can provide what support we're able to uh, throughout the month of May. Um, so yeah, hopefully we've instilled the importance of this on you. Um, so maybe do we want to pivot over a bit more and dive into the policy issues? Okay, so I'll move over there on the slides here. And Blair, before before we go on to the policy issues, I just this was brought up a little bit earlier, which is um, maybe some manufacturers' reticence of having politicians within their space, or that they were implicitly supporting that candidate. Not for that before as well. My response to it is, is during election time, you are able to promote your own interests. Nobody should be shy about that. And having a politician from any party within your uh, facility doesn't mean that you're necessarily supporting that party. What it means is that you're promoting your industry. And so just kind of getting those things in your head is really important because these relationships are important and, and we don't have many opportunities to be able to go out as an industry or industries and attack <laughs> MLAs on mass, right? Yeah, there's no big Not concerted effort at other times for sure. <laughs> just gently, gently give them nice tasting samples. There you go. <laughs> yeah, find out what their favorite beer is. Just play it that way. You're finding out what their favorite beer or favorite distilled drink is. Absolutely. No, that's a great point. We have seen, like I said in the presentation, those maybe not so positive comments about having an elected official uh, visit a facility, but this really is you promoting your own interests. And that is why I would say it's important to let your staff know that you're doing this, especially if you've confirmed a visit. Just let them know and explain to them what, what the key messages are and how it affects your business. Um, you know, they have as much of an interest in you succeeding as you do. So the more that they know about it, the better they can do to help you advocate as well. So great point, Steph. Thank you. Great. So yeah, now the, the kind of harder part, but not as much like Brad already alluded to. So maybe we'll jump in on markup change. And uh, we've all been doing a lot of work on this. Um, maybe Brad, because I am talking a lot. I'll throw it to you. <laughs> and so the markup change here. Uh is is specifically around refreshment beverage and so there's a few different elements of this markup change that that we want to pursue or that is our position and and i'm going to go through each of those elements and one of them is going to slide into number two uh, into point two so in point one we'd say we want refreshment beverage to be uh, redefined so that refreshment beverage isn't this island of misfit toys that now has kombucha cider spirit-based beverages, malt-based beverages, all bundled into one measurement. Those products don't really have a lot in common other than uh, a general perception that they're coolers. But but from a tax perspective, most importantly, they don't actually have a lot in common. Their sources of alcohol, the, the, the manufacturing process used, they're different in all of them. And so we want to see refreshment beverage definition made less broad. You know, let's find unique value streams and and say cider is its own measure. You know, spirit-based RTDs, malt-based RTDs, kombuchas are, are their own thing. Uh, parallel to that, we would love to see in refreshment beverage uh, the uh, small brewer's markup schedule. 
matched in the small manufacturing, small refreshment beverage manufacturing schedule. So exactly the good work we've done and proven good work, it has drove an industry that is now predominantly, or the majority is, is in rural areas. It has drove that industry to growth. And we're saying the government was a great partner there. So let's use the exact markup schedule uh, for refreshment beverages. And there's some really great thinking behind why it should just be plug and play markup schedules. And the best, uh, the best answer we have to that truly is the cost to produce uh, a full flavored, really pleasing refreshment beverage is identical as the cost to produce a great full flavored craft beer. Uh, you know, I think some politicians might think that it's cheaper to make refreshment beverages. Therefore, the cost of goods is lower and that that product category's ability to absorb a higher tax rate is there. And that's not true. These product categories, uh, refreshment beverage, especially the way that craft producers make them, in some cases are as expensive or more expensive than making beer. And so that's our thinking and it's sound thinking. It's stuff that we can prove is true. That's our thinking for why the markup schedule should just be a plug and play. Small manufacturing in high value, high revenue items, it's, it's, it should be fair and even across the board. So <clears throat> those are those two elements. The third element, all wrapped up in a refreshment beverage, gets us into point number two here, which is equal access to connect. So right now, the government has been a great partner and has offered us a, a reduced markup from zero to 20,000 hectoliters uh, for 32 cents a liter. Uh, but you have to do that through direct distribution. By a percent, the top inflationary cost increase that we've seen in our businesses is linked to transportation. Um, we've seen those costs increase by 100 to 200%. And so the government uh, giving us a reduced markup rate, but then uh, encouraging, and I say encouraging because you want that reduced rate, forcing us to have to develop our own trucks and, and logistics network is, is taking all of the benefit of that markup and taking it away from us. It's not driving us to grow our businesses the way that reduced markups should. It's driving complexity and, and it's in a lot of ways hindering small producers from accessing uh, retailers outside of say 20 kilometers of their facility. And we really want uh, one of our rally cries is an Alberta beverage in every fridge. And so in order for us to do that, we have to be able to get our products uh, affordably across the province. Alberta, uh, AGLC is a partner with Liquor Connect. They own the facility and they have uh, ensured that all retailers in the province get equal access by giving them a flat uh, delivery cost of $1.20 per case. We need to be able to access that for our, our, our businesses, all our members to grow. So access to connect while still being able to have a reduced markup is very important. You know, these one and two here really are our top two. They're kind of subsects of each other, but um, they will drive tremendous growth for our, our, our members. And Brad, thank you. Thank you for succinctly wrapping that up. Of course, some of these uh, markup discussions end up being fairly complicated and convoluted, but you've succinctly wrapped it up into a, a two-minute spiel there. I, I just like to point out, it's it's really been fascinating to watch the growth on both the craft beer side and the craft spirit side. 
and that what we're finding, especially in the ready to drink or, or refreshment beverage market and on the spirit side is this access to connect logistics is absolutely critical to, to, to have a playing field for growth in particular for our smallest producers and in particular for our rural producers. And I know at least on the spirit side, over half of our members are rural members and for them, distributing ends up becoming a huge logistical nightmare and a cost. They can't afford it because there's no there's no economy of scale represented with a small brewer who's just getting off the ground or a small distiller trying to put money into marketing and branding. And rather than them focusing on their core competencies, which is marketing, branding, product, product creation, innovation, capital investment, laying whiskey barrels, what have you, they're spending a disproportionate amount of their time and resources, monetary resources, on trying to access that Samos, the farm gate rate by shipping. They're becoming de facto logistics companies. And unfortunately, that's that's causing a, a, a real problem for a lot of folks in terms of how they hope and dream to expand their businesses. And so some parity on that side would create a longer, wider playing field for great Alberta brands to succeed in our home base market. And that's really what this is about, is creating the best opportunities for our local Alberta brands to, to succeed at our home base. And we start with beer. Beer moved and controls 16% of the market share now. Refreshment beverages are nowhere even near that. We're, we're modeling around the seven, eight percent And so if you can imagine a full doubling of that, that's a huge win for this province in terms of economic generation, value-added agriculture, employment, income tax, like all of those great things that we're currently kind of outsourcing to other provinces because they're beating us on our home turf. And we want to be aggressive and win on our own, our own home turf first and foremost. And the one thing I would add is we have to be delicate about threading this needle on the access to connect. Uh, the, what we're asking for is a change to policy that government put in place to help Alberta producers. And, and they were grateful for it. You know, here, it, when I'm talking to elected officials, I say, we've just outgrown it. You know, we've outgrown this policy. And so now the policy has to change as we scale our businesses. It is important, and depending on which party's in, in power, it's always important to show some gratitude for the changes that have taken place. And this one was, it was a big one. They stuck their necks out and they made a change. And, and in this case, we've just, we have, we have outgrown it. Um, one of the challenges you may get, depending on how informed the candidate is, is won't that make it more competitive? And we got that. We had a lot of discussion around that when beer, when you know, the province was compelled to make a change in the markup in beer. In, in our perspective was this, Alberta is the only open market in Canada. You know, when when beer markup changed and was applicable to all small manufacturers, where regardless of where they're from, we didn't really see a big pickup in the competition or the competitive nature of of the beer category. And so, learning from that, we're seeing in in the refreshment category, we're already losing from a competitive standpoint. As Stavros said, we're only holding about eight percent of that market. We now think that uh, what is holding us back is access to market. And so we're not afraid that by uh, allowing the reduced markup to apply to other small manufacturers from other jurisdictions, we're not afraid that it is gonna make us harder to sell our products. We think that this access to market is gonna make it easier to, for us to sell our products. 
And then we still have unique benefits being Alberta manufacturers that that these producers don't have. We can still sell direct to consumer. We still have our tap rooms, which these guys don't, which are significant benefits, especially tap room. Tap room is the number one channel consumers buy craft beverages from and competitors from outside the province don't have that. And so that is kind of how I'd articulate this is an evolution of what they've given us. You know, the if we mirror the small beer markup, the benefit is, and, and I don't want to talk too much about revenues from a market perspective, because revenues will go down from the government if they choose to adopt this. It'll go from 32 cents for most of our members if they if we go this direction. Your markup rate will go down to 10 cents. So I don't think we want to get too much into the revenue. Uh, we've got some great background supporting documents on how economic impact, how our local procurement and the, and the people we hire replace that revenue. The government, um, the current government, and I'm sure the future government has agreed that economic impact is more desirable than markup or tax. They'd rather, they'd rather us generate jobs in, in local economic growth than simply stick their hand out and put it in our pocket. Yeah, I think that's a great way to describe it, Brad, that we've outgrown the best intentions from several years ago. And a lot of what you just spoke to will be on that one pager or the Alberta Beer website um, to provide you with those kind of data points and key messages uh, that take from our learned experience with the beer side. Um, and I will say a lot of these people, again, they'll be new. So they don't know the history of the, the beer side of things either. So feel free uh, to utilize the information that we provide or your experience with it. If you're one of the breweries that has grown through this, then you have personal experience with how that competitiveness may have been affected and how it helped you grow your business, what you were able to invest in because you were able to keep a more significant portion of that, that markup. Um, Staros, please go ahead. So, and I'll throw this out to both you, Blair and Brad. When a when a when a distillery or brewery is faced with an MLA, and they're talking about like what's the vision aside from outside of their specific operation, what's the vision of the industry? And I think that's a very important topic to bring up. And and for me, and I'm sure you have different answers. For me, it's really about adding that value within our province. We know we're an ad exporter of grains, a massive worldwide provider of grains. We know that we are extremely important in terms of exporting malted products. Alberta produced some of the best malted products in the continent and if not in the world. Rye production, all of those things are currently being exported in raw material form. We have the opportunity to create a viable export-based industry in this province within our own four walls to start off with. But you need to provide that home base advantage first in order for these businesses to be able to scale up. In particular, on the distillery side, getting into the whiskey markets is extremely expensive. You're looking at a minimum of three years and in a lot of cases, five years plus to be sitting and enjoying the smell of that resting barrel, but generating no income from it. So. It's it, it's a long game, and I, I I like to again. That's the importance of bringing politicians by your facilities is to show them how you've built this up and what your long term vision is. And I I think sharing some of those stories is so important, and and try to bring it back to again that province and what we're blessed with here in terms of water, scenery, 
which always helps when you're you're brewing and uh and our raw material inputs which is so critical to the success of uh, creating great products absolutely i think that's a great point and brad kind of touched on it with one of our goals as the association is a craft beverage in every fridge right that is the goal but yeah you do support it by telling that field to glass story you know we use local agriculture products in fact because the industry has grown, we've seen more craft maltsters grow and become a business in the province. So it's not just that one small business that sits on the corner in one small town in Alberta. It's many other pieces of the economy that are affected by our success. So I think that's great in how you can tell that whole story. And keep that in mind as you're building out what you're going to discuss with the candidates as you invite them into your tap room. And it really is just a discussion about, yeah, we use the grain from, I'm going to use one of our associate partners from Red Shed, you know, we, we support them. They support us. They, you know, they go out and they come to our events and they come in, into our communities and they've grown because of our success and vice versa. Like it's a really great story to tell. And it's one that will resonate with everyone who wants to see this province succeed. And one of the other kind of themes that I touch on uh, to try and create some urgency is, is Alberta really is a leader when it comes to alcohol policy and small manufacturing policy. Alberta really is a leader. It's that it is that Western, that blue sky, wildcat mentality that I always like tapping into. We, we are a leader and you don't stay a leader by standing still. And so uh, other provinces have started to look at and adopt our policy, and we need to continue to stretch and push in that direction. Being the only fully privatized province, uh, you know, 27 years ago, however long ago that, that we did it, um, we've made some great uh, advancements. We are now, I think, the fastest growing craft market in terms of craft market share in Canada. Uh, we've outpaced certainly Ontario in terms of market share. BC is is number one in Canada, uh, but we've outpaced Ontario, which is the largest craft beer market, and Ontario's largely been flat. And so I do like appealing to that sense of entrepreneurship that Albertans really connect with at all levels. It's it's part of a kind of that provincial DNA, and and hopefully that creates an appetite for momentum. You know, we we've always been leaders. This is what we need to get the job done. At the end of the day, the current model is still better than most other provinces. Um, and so I don't want to lose sight of that, but I do think we need to press them to keep us ahead of the game and continue to be, you know, that value-added agri-food leader in Canada that we we are and will continue to be. Yeah, I think that's a good point, too, in taking a look at the platforms of the parties and seeing where they stand a lot of these arguments can be made on things that they've already stated that they support. They Both major parties support small businesses. Both major parties want to see a diversification of the economy. What better way to do that than with an industry that is growing at the rate that we all are? So definitely take a look at those party platforms. And as we can throughout the month, we'll be pointing out those policy points so it can help you. But we will have those links available. So definitely keep tabs on that. Pay attention to what they're saying out there. Pay attention to what your candidate specifically is saying. Um, but again, connect it back to something that they're already talking about. Um, so anything else on that? Or are we want to touch maybe on that last kind of 
semi-combined policy point. <laughs> okay, perfect. So yeah, the other thing that we talk about, and I'll I'll keep them separate for this conversation because I know that uh, for the craft distillers, the our point number four is one of is a big one. So one of the things that we've heard a lot from our breweries and from municipalities in the last, I would say, year and a half, it's become a much bigger issue, is the wastewater charges that breweries are facing. And it's in municipalities throughout the province. So this is something that while it's fines that are being levied and businesses are being told that this will happen, they're not really being provided solutions. So our ask is simply that uh, municipal affairs helps us with that. How can we focus on side streaming efforts? How can we allow businesses to make changes before getting those fines put in place? How can we work with the province to make things better and to maybe alleviate any of the issues that those wastewater treatment plants are facing? Let's figure out what the actual problem is and how we can be a part of the solution instead of just getting fines because those do tend to be quite hefty in several municipalities. And that is definitely one of those topics that we're focusing on when we chat with um, elected officials. A little bit more on that is, is one thing we're looking at and it's not wastewater, but it's incoming utilities. Like utilities have been totally bananas for us. And so it might even be easier if you haven't experienced wastewater challenges, then water in and of itself is still a, a challenge. You know, we uh, move a lot of water out of our breweries by way of cans and kegs. And right now the municipality assumes that it's going down the drain. And so that is you kind of on these wastewater charges. One of them is just the amount of effluence charge in general we're getting doesn't line up with the actual amount of effluence going down our drain or, or, race, wa or wastewater. We are selling a lot of that city's water. We've added value to it by putting barley in it or, or, or by distilling it. And it's not going down our drains. So, and that is something that you can do a little bit of homework before your candidates come by and just say, hey, I'm getting charged for X amount of effluence, but I ship X or Y amount of product. So essentially the city's taxing me for wastewater that never went into their system, which is the truth. And it is the truth because the only measurement tool by which cities can measure the amount of water usage is through the incoming water meter. And so they use that as the proxy for uh, effluent flows. And as you correctly identified, Brad, it's not one-to-one -one in, in our instance, um, or in distilleries or breweries or meteries and cideries and wineries. It's, it's, we're packaging that product and selling it off. So there is a discussion to be had there. I'm more interested in looking at it at this from a provincial perspective because similar to the next issue number four we have this jurisdiction by jurisdiction um differential occurring in the marketplace and unfortunately there's no there's no playing ground or there's no there's no there's no reference point for everybody to refer back to so unfortunately as, as blair mentioned people are being hit with fines or warnings and there's no prescriptive path for breweries, distilleries, and the like to take in order to get to it. So we don't know exactly what the playing field is, and without understanding what that is, then we can't make adjustments to it. Um, I know that certainly different types of effluent can be managed very well by our advanced wastewater treatment systems in this province, but if there's continuing and ongoing problems we need to identify with the authorities having jurisdiction, 
a little bit of a narrower scope here because then it ends up being a shotgun approach, which just punishes the businesses. Yeah, great points. So again, that will more uh, key messages in a bit more detail will be provided on the one pager on that if that is one of the key messages you choose to take up with your elected official. And again, it, it does seem to be affecting different municipalities differently as where they're at in you know looking at this issue. So it may be one of your top priorities. Um, and if it is, like I said, we'll have more information and more details on that for you. So yeah, number four, we'll jump into consistency with the building code. And Stavros, I know you guys- Blair, if I, might, if I might just jump in quickly, just on that last one, because this is an issue that's typically municipal in nature. And as we know, in Alberta, municipal, municipalities are creatures of the province. So municipalities are firmly legislated within the province. And I think what's important for all of us to understand is that as well as having responsibilities. So we're a regulated industry. So we have responsibilities back to the government, back to the public, but we also do have rights as business owners as well. And so it's about finding that middle ground there because a lot of times, a lot of small producers and a lot of small businesses do get walked over. It's scary having your regulator come through the door. And so for us, it's more about creating that relationship of trust and trusting that we all wanna do the right thing but ensuring that the regulator knows that. And, and in this instance, I believe that some of that leadership may need to come from the province. Um, and in particular with point number four, which is a magical a magical mystery land of excitement. I will leave it to you to maybe talk about number four then. I, I know that you have been working on this yeah. quite, quite a bit with your chair as well. So uh, yeah, I'll let you lead right into that. So, Bryce Parsons, who is the president of the ACDA, is uh, effectively one of Canada's top experts now in, in fire and building code as it relates to distillery operations. So I'm very proud of him. I think it was an unintentional learning process um, as he sat on some working groups. So we're currently uh, within a working group with uh, Municipal Affairs and the Safety Codes Council of Alberta in order to try to find some ways through uh, the legislative framework which slaps the hardest restrictions possible on distilleries they effectively treat distilleries as uh ethanol or sorry as petroleum refineries um we know that's not true there's expert witnesses and there's a history of of, of micro distillation all across the world so a lot of this is just finding our way through to a place where we can get authorities having jurisdiction to be comfortable um that being said, this is now spread beyond the distilling industry and into the brewing industry. And I think there's some fundamental misunderstandings with both the processes and the equipment that we all utilize. So, you know, everything from pressure tanks to, to steam boilers to affluent flows, all of these things seem to be misunderstood on a jurisdiction by jurisdiction basis. You have some jurisdictions that are certainly more, more educated about it, but province-wide, there's not consistency being applied to regulating and building code applications in breweries and distilleries. And it's causing a lot of issues in terms of the amount of capital that startups and existing operations are having to spend. And Blair, I know you mentioned tens of thousands of dollars. Um, just as a, you know, putting my finger up into the wind, uh, I'm going to say that in Alberta, likely there's been half a million dollars expended on just professional fees on the distilling side, 
And I can say from our perspective that the unfortunate thing is that we don't believe that those professional reports are, are being taken at face value by by the authorities having jurisdiction and there's some issues with the code. And so we need to work collaboratively with the province to enable these small business owners to be able to invest. So this is a huge barrier to investment right now. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you for that summary. Um, and we absolutely do find that uh, as it creeps into the brewing side in a new or growing brewery, it tends to be that maybe an abundance of caution, we'll say in a nice way, and they are having breweries build to a distillery's specification or worse, you know, or like you say, there's a fundamental misunderstanding because I'll say over COVID, a lot of city employees left their jobs or retired, whatever the case may be, but that institutional knowledge just doesn't seem to exist anymore. So the people who come in, they don't have, like you say, that fundamental understanding of what the industry is. So there's an education piece, but also because of that lack of education, hesitation to make a call that might come back to the city in a negative way. And that seems to be one of the biggest hurdles that we just can't seem to get past that trust <laughs> of either um, professional drawings, professional stamps of approval, even, you know, you might get your fire department, they might say, yep, this all looks great, we're good to go. But then a city inspector will be like, oh, it just doesn't feel right. And then you go, okay, well, but what do I do? So we have a lot of conversations that need to happen, but we would love to be at that point where you as a craft distillers association and me as a craft brewers association could write a manual for the entire province that says step one to step whatever, this is how you open your brewery or your distillery, but we can't get there because it is so piecemeal in how it's applied throughout the province. I, uh, Blair, I couldn't agree more with you. So part of it is the fragmentation on interpretation throughout the province. So problem number one. Problem number two is um, we're kind of uncertain as to, to why engineering reports are not being accepted. Um, and then issue number three, you said a word there, which is feel. Mm -hmm feel is mutually exclusive of building code. It's <laughs> not feelings. <laughs> it's not a feeling. It is based on science and professional advice. And I, you know, I'm, uh, my heart goes out to the authorities having jurisdiction. Everyone's trying to do the right thing. Unfortunately, in this instance, we're, we're pitted against each other not in a malicious way, but it is impacting investment and is causing problems for the industry as a whole. And I'm very hopeful that we've got a lot of bright, smart, awesome people in this province and that we can move this process forward in a way that makes sense for everybody. Um, you know, business certainty, my father always hammered on on me when I was growing up that, you know, be be consistent at what you do. That's, that's if, if you're going to make terrible hot dogs, make terrible hot dogs, charge nothing for them and people know what they're getting and that's going to be the way it is. But if you're making high quality hot dogs, make sure it's high quality every step of the way. And that consistency provides a business environment that you can operate in. And right now, this inconsistency that's being applied to the entire industry is causing disruption everywhere and a lot of angst. Because if you don't have consistency in the application of the rules, then you don't know what you're investing in and it costs a lot of money. And these are 
in most cases, small investors that are using either life savings or loans or what have you to get their projects up off the ground. And they're all very passionate people. Absolutely. Yeah. And to kind of add on to that, that consistency allows for your future growth, knowing what you might be up against if you are planning to expand or because, as Brad mentioned, Alberta's lovely policies that allow a classy manufacturer to manufacture what they want. If you choose to do another segment, it shouldn't be that hard to figure out exactly how much you're going to have to invest to do that. But with inconsistency in the application of the building code, you know, you might enter something thinking it's going to cost X amount and it ends up costing you three times that that's not good for any business. And very few businesses, I think, would take that gamble. So it really comes down to even just doing this will aid in economic impacts far beyond that municipality, far beyond that one business. It will impact the entire economy because I don't know of any breweries or distilleries who aren't aim, aiming for some sort of growth, you know? So I think we have a lot of great arguments for all of these policy points. And hopefully everyone watching, listening is able to take away some of those key messages. Like I said, they will be summarized. Um, I don't want to cut the conversation short. So I want to make sure Brad or Stavros, if there's anything else you want to add. I think we've covered it all, Blair. I I just really do encourage all our members to engage with all your candidates. Don't be afraid. Taking an hour out of your day to have a conversation could be thousands of dollars back in your pocket. So you'd always make this business decision. If it was, if you think of it purely as a business opportunity, you'd do it 10 times out of 10. Don't be shy. Don't be shy. Don't be shy. <laughs> Perfect. All right. Well, thank you for everyone who uh, is watching, everyone who is listening. Like I said, those resources will be available for you. And I'm sure Stavros will make it clear to the Craft Distillers members as well. And as always, if you have any questions, reach out to your association um, and yeah, just build your advocate. It's your opportunity to get your voice heard, to ensure you have a partner with whoever is is elected to represent you. And yeah, it's worth the time, we promise. Okay, so thank you very much. Mm -hmm.